Welcome, everybody, to the Redeemed Legion podcast. This is episode 10. We are back here today. We're very excited for this episode. We have a special guest with us today that we're going to get to here in just a second. But before we do that, uh, I want to point all you guys to our website, redeemedlegion.com. You can head over there to find out what's going on with us, current events. Uh, There's some blog posts. There's our merchandise page. You can get these these hats. Uh, Shirts will be up soon. There's some other stuff coming, like mugs and stickers. Uh, as soon as Pete gets to it. Uh, also, check us out on all the socials. We are big on TikTok, uh, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can find these podcasts anywhere that you would normally listen to podcasts. So with that, we are going to jump right into it. Aiden Wilson Tozer once said, the most critical need of the church at this moment is men, bold men, free men. The church must seek in prayer and much humility, the coming again of men made of the stuff of which prophets and martyrs are made. This is the Redeemed Legion Podcast. On this podcast, we dive deep into the intersection of faith, masculinity, and modern day life, exploring biblical principles and how they apply to the changes men face today. And we're not just here to talk at you. We want it to feel like a real conversation among friends. Here to encourage and equip men to live out their faith in a world that often presents conflicting ideas of manhood. Welcome to the Redeemed Legion podcast. And now your hosts, Drew, Brendan, and Pete. All right, guys, we are back today. We have a very special guest with us today. This is Quint. He is here to share his story with us, and we are super excited for that. So, Quint, how are you today? I'm doing I'm doing really good right now. So, good glad man. to be on the on y'all's podcast. Thanks for having me, and uh, of course, just looking to glorify God and all of this. So, yeah, thanks awesome. for joining us, brother. Yeah, we are super excited to have you. Why don't you uh, just tell us where you're from? Where'd you grow up? So, I'm from Huddle. Small town huddle, now not so small town. Uh, grew up there, born and raised. Uh, graduated from huddle, and um, now I live in Georgetown. And uh, married now, and have a son, Elijah, ten months old. Nice. And uh, have my own landscape and construction business right now. So, and awesome. it's starting to pick back up. Thank God. <laughs> Good. Awesome. So for those of you guys listening, uh, Hutto and Georgetown, the two towns that Quint mentioned, are uh, suburbs of Austin, Texas. So that's where we're at. Quint, uh, what was childhood like? Mom, dad, siblings? So childhood was like, uh, childhood was good. Uh, I got a younger sister. I got an older uh, brother. Uh, my half-brother, he's, well, he's my half-brother. We got different moms. And... Um, he came back into the picture later on, but uh, long story short, uh, my mom and dad, they were, uh, we didn't grow up in like a, a godly household. And, um, you know, it was mostly like drinking, partying, uh, stuff like that, you know. Uh, other than that, I mean, I had a good childhood, you know, uh, great parents. And, um, uh, what was I gonna say? <laughs> Sorry, I just went blank. You're um, good, man. You're talking about your childhood, uh, grandparents, and everything. 
Yeah, so uh, growing up, uh, went to uh, different church things and church functions with my aunts and uh, my my grandma on my mom's side, um, and uh, knew of God, you know, went to different things growing up in middle school, little church functions, but never had a relationship with him, right? Never fully uh, surrendered everything to the Lord. You know, my mom was still battling with with uh, things of the world and, and 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 her stuff, you know, and 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 as well as my dad. And uh, so we didn't we didn't like you know live for God per se. We didn't we didn't have a a, a strong rock foundation that was set on the Lord. Uh, and so I grew up very rebellious. Uh, got into a lot of trouble. Uh, in high school, uh, started dabbing with drugs and um, even sold drugs throughout periods of my high school career. And uh, did a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, and just started, you know, drawn towards the the fast life, the basically the thug life, and uh, and was going down the wrong road pretty fast. And uh, and so that was basically like my my childhood. You know, I played sports, uh, was into sports a lot, especially football. You know, my parents attended my games and and uh, supported me. And you know, um, I, had, I had I had a good childhood. So I had I had, I had good parents, and you know, we we all we all have our our battles and 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 our struggles. And and thank God, my parents are serving the Lord now, and um, and uh, especially the prayers of my mom, you know, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later on, but that's, that's mostly my childhood. So. Yeah. Quentin, we have a lot of uh, younger guys that, that watch our stuff and follow us. Can you talk a little bit about what you think kind of drew you to that? Like you call it the fast life, right. And getting into trouble. And what do you think was it that, that drew you to that and that led you to that path? Oh, uh, I would say definitely not be not being rooted into the things of the Lord. Yeah, you know, not being having a a, a biblical structure, um, and basically just being rebellious, you know, and and just trying new things and wanting to do what I wanted to do, and and especially the music. The music influences people. You know what I mean. The music has a big influence on the youth. And um, and my thing was rap music. I always loved listening to rap music. Man. And, you know, growing up in Texas, you, you listen to the screwed up click, you know, and, and, and the Dirty South. And and, uh, and you grow. I mean, you basically, you know, end up trying to live that lifestyle, you know, and, and trying to be somebody or, you know, pride kicks in and, and you want to be, you know, top dog and, and have people look at you a certain way. And, and wear certain clothes and have certain things, you know, things of the world that will never fulfill you, right? And um, and so that's what drew drew me to that that lifestyle, you know, the cars, the the jewelry, the women, all that type of stuff, and uh, and just basically having a name for yourself. Uh, and 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 it was different, you know, when I when I got into the streets and and, and started selling drugs big time, uh, out of high school, it was uh. It became kind of an addiction. You know, people feared me, people yeah. respected me, people knew my name, especially all through Taylor. Um, and uh, I got addicted to that that lifestyle. I got addicted to the 
the fast life and, and the and the power basically that I had, you know. And so uh that was a that was something that I also strived for and uh and it went down to a long road of destruction. So after high school, what um talk us through that kind of period in your life where uh between high school and and now basically so coming out of high school like i said i was very rebellious uh and uh me and my mom used to bump heads a lot and uh because i wanted to do what i wanted to do and, and she had her ways and and um so basically we got into it and kind of led me to getting kicked out of the house. Basically like, you know, you don't want to follow my rules. You can get out. And then, so I left, you know, and uh, ended up going to Taylor, uh, basically running around with people that I shouldn't have older people, you know, uh, affiliated gang members, uh, older people that been around the streets for a long time. And, uh, also met up with the older woman and, um, she led me to other people as well and connected me to certain people. And, and then you just kind of, you kind of interact and, and, and start to know people and, and exchange numbers. And, and then you just start clicking with certain people that, that uh, are in that type of lifestyle, you know, with uh, selling drugs and doing, doing stuff that you shouldn't be robbing people and all kinds of stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and basically, you know, I always wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to be the baddest, you know, the, the coolest, whatever you want to call it. And um, and so I was I was very prideful and uh, and basically was uh, looking to be the big dog. You know, I wanted to be like Scarface. Right. I wanted to be pushing kilos and kilos and, and, and make all this money and, and and live this big old fantasy. Right. And. Um, so basically it led me to the streets and uh I started meeting certain people, uh basically waited in my lane and uh waited for my turn to come up. Cause there was there was big dogs in Taylor at the time that were selling a lot of dope at the time. And uh and I wanted I wanted to be in that position at, when it was when I was when basically when it was my time to go, my time to shine. And so um anyways, uh did a lot of small time stuff, selling cocaine, uh, crack, uh Learned how to cook crack, and uh, learned uh, learned the streets, the street codes. I mean, basically everything you can think of. You know what I mean? In and out of in and out of jail, in and out of the system. Been locked up more times than I count. And uh, and we used to do these things like so. I'd get locked up and I'd come out, and we would do these things called come up licks. So we go, we ride out to Colleen and, and jack people's rims right on their cars. You know. Like, after hours, you know, midnight, one, two, three in the morning. And we'd have the whole car sitting on blocks. You know, we jack two sets of rims a night, head back to Elgin, sell it, make $2,500 cash that night. And then we'd turn around and, you know, go buy a few ounces of some dope, flip it, and start making money, right? Yeah. And uh, did stuff like that, man. And I would I would rob dope dealers in the east side of Austin. We'd set them up in their own apartments, jack them for everything. Uh, I'd set people up in hotels. Rob them for everything. Uh, pistol whip people. Did a lot of did a lot of evil stuff. A lot of bad things. You know. Uh, thank God for God's mercy. Thank God for God's grace. Thank God for God's hand, who had His hand over me the whole time. Was in shootouts. I mean, did all kinds of stuff, man. Um, and eventually, I mean, over the years, because this is a ten-year process, right? This is a ten-year process. 
uh, during this time, my mom and dad get saved in the year 2016. They were attending Celebration Church. And uh, during that time, that's when, you know, when my mom was like really surrendered over everything to the Lord because, you know, she had she had her struggles and 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 the thing her addictions that she was dealing with. And she finally gave that to the Lord and uh and was basically interceding for me, right? Praying for me all the time, her and my dad, and uh, you know, asking God to keep me safe, to bring me back home. And and uh and they were attending attending church, you know, because I put my parents through through hell, put them through a lot of stuff and uh, you know, uh put fear in their hearts, uh, crying long nights. Uh, they wouldn't hear from me. I mean, months and months and months and months at a time. Uh, they wouldn't know where I was at, what I'm doing, if I was dead, if I was alive. Uh, even my sister, you know, and sometimes my sister would find out where I'm at and she'd come visit me in Taylor. Uh, she'd visit me for my birthdays. And, uh, and you know, I would miss holidays. I missed my dad's 50th birthday and I know it really hurt him. And uh, it was very upsetting to him. And uh, my dad even at one time, you know, thought that he had, you know, he had lost his son. Like, because, you know, I think he he was at the at the deer lease or something, talking to one of his friends and saying, my son, you know, I lost my son. He's gone. You know, he was he was he was like just down and out. right? Because I just put him through so much. Um, but the the prayers of a, of a faithful mother, man. Uh, for anybody who's listening, you know, uh, uh, prayer is very powerful. Uh, and there's there's power in prayer. There's power in the word. And uh, if you have a loved one struggling with addictions or, or, or running the streets or in and out of the system and in prison or whatever, never stop praying. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like, how dark it is. Keep praying and interceding for your loved one because there's going to be breakthrough at the end of it. And, uh, and my mom kept pressing through. She kept pressing through with prayer and and, and uh asking the people at, at celebration for uh, prayers at her sister's group. And uh, and a lot of people have been praying for me, right? So leading up to all this, uh, I ended up getting plugged in with the, the cartel. And uh, and this was like my chance to make big moves, right? Like I had the plug now, right? I, I already had my name out there. Everybody knew who I was. And uh, I ended up meeting this guy. He's, he's the cartel. I, uh, I won't go, but anyway, so, uh, I meet him, right. And basically gain his trust, bring him a bunch of money. And, uh, he throws me, you know, a little bit of, you know, four ounces of meth and eventually it leads up to nine and then it leads up to 18. So I ended up mo moving like half a kilo of, of methamphetamines, right? Like I was, I was, I was bound for destruction, right? Like I was bound for, for, uh, prison, you know, big time. You get caught with that, you're looking at 30, 40 years plus. Um, I was bound to death. You know, I was, I was, I was so stuck in my sin and so stuck by the street code, you know, I was willing to die for it, right? I was willing to die for for the things of this world. I was willing to die for for what the devil was throwing in my face, not knowing that God had a purpose in for my life, right? And I was so stuck on street code, you know, and I used to carry a machete in the side of my impala. I had a pistol with me. Anybody who, because people try to jack me. There was people always trying to set me up because they knew I was I had a lot of dope. Uh, there was times where they surrounded my house. It's a whole nother story. Um, I mean, it, it got it got crazy. You know, I got tired of watching my back, watching for informants. Uh, Williams County Sheriff's officer. I mean, he pulled me over three different times.
brought the uh, uh, the dogs three different times, searched my car. You know, they their story they had got some of the information, but they but what they had heard somebody was telling them that I was a drug mule bringing in dope from Mexico to to Taylor, and it was wrong, you know. But somebody was saying something, right? And I mean, it was it was getting serious, right? And so. You know, stressing and, and stressing about my family, you know, because they said, you know, you try to do anything or, or snitch, you know, we know your family, your family could be killed. And all, I mean, all this different stuff, you know, the threats from the cartel and, and, and having to do things, you know, that you don't want to do. Right. Um, that's part of the street life, you know, and, 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 and I chose that life. Right. I chose that route. And um, so long story short, you know, I'm making all this money and. And, and living this life, but at the same time, I'm fearful of my life. At the same time, I'm watching my back. And at the same time, I still have this void that's in my life, right? I still, I'm battling depression. I'm, I'm battling suicide, right? I, 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 contemplate, I contemplated suicide at times, right? Um, there was this void, right? You know, you can, like they, they say, you can have everything. You can have all the money. You can have the cards. You can have all this stuff, right? But you're still going to have a void, right, in your life, that you can't fulfill until you really surrender, give your life over to Jesus Christ. And so um, anyways, as the cops and everybody were pressing on me and pulling me over and, 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 and setting up outside my house, I, mean, I remember Williams County Sheriff's just parked outside my house, just watching my house. I mean, that's how bad it got. I said, you know what? I don't owe this dude money. I want to call it a clean slate. I'm done with this. Because if I go to prison, I'm looking at, if I get busted with that much, I'm looking at 30, 40 years. Nobody's going to bail me out, right? The cartel ain't going to bail me out. And you can't snitch because if you snitch, they believe me, they got people in prison, you're a dead man. Because even if you snitch, you're still looking at two to five years, right, before you get out, and they're going to kill you. So it was like a no-win situation, right? So it's like either do 30, 40 years, die, or just give it all up. So I was like, I was willing just to give it all up. I said, look, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this no more. This ain't, I, I want, I want something different. Right. So Quint, and, was that, how hard was that to walk away from? Did they give you any trouble for wanting to get out of that? Oh, uh, it wasn't, it was, it was a little hard. It was, um, but since I didn't owe no money, I was on good terms, good grace. Uh, they basically just kind of just said, you know what? If I they basically told me if they catch me selling dope anywhere in Central Texas, that they would kill me, right? And that uh, basically, if I wanted to come back and sell dope, I should I had to come to him. Yeah. And so um, uh, it was like, dude, I'm I'm done. You know what I mean? So, but during this time, you know, I didn't mention, you know, I'm I'm using this, right? I'm using the drugs, I'm using the meth, I'm smoking it, you know, because you know you have so much, you just do it, right? And uh, and I had abused drugs all my life, right? Cocaine, meth, weed, you know, smoking cigarettes all the time, drinking alcohol. Um, and anyway, so at this time, I'm like, I'm done with the 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 selling the dope, right? And so really my money starts going fast, you know, cause now I'm not, I'm not bringing in any income. Right. Right. And, uh, and life's getting hard and, uh, you know, I didn't work, you know, I, I never really held down a job. And, um, so then at this time I'm starting to shoot it up, right? uh, met a guy and, uh, 
told me that the thrill was much, much better than smoking it. Smoking it wasn't doing it for me no more. So I remember I started shooting it up. And um, and that's when it really got bad for me. Uh, that's when I really uh, started showing. You know, I mean, I got skinny. You could see it in my eyes. Uh, people were, were worried for me. Uh, remember one time almost OD, you know, sh shooting up so much. And and I was I was really ready to die. You know, I was, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna fill up this whole syringe, hit 70 units of my vein, right? And 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 hope that it just it, it's an easy, an easy death. And uh almost OD'd and, and just it was a struggle, man. It was a struggle, uh battling that addiction, uh the demons, the the voices, I mean, just all these different things, right? Just and and just and just living that life, man. It was it was it was depressing. It wasn't it wasn't fun. And um, and so it, it got to the point I started robbing again, right? I started robbing people, robbing uh stores, robbing people, breaking into houses, uh to basically support my uh, addiction. And um staying in a hotel now at this time and just robbing to bring in money so I could pay for my hotel and pay for my addiction. And I remember I broke into this house and there were safes in there, right? And I was going to rob this guy. Long story short, it was me and another guy. We ended up getting getting caught, right? And so I, I bust, take off running. And uh, eventually, you know, after running for so long, they the cops caught up to me and and caught me in a in an apartment complex as I was about to leave, and I got picked up and was about to leave, and somehow they just knew I was in that car, and, and uh, they pulled me out, and so I ended up catching a burglary charge, right? Yeah. And uh, ended up going to jail, and uh, this was in 2018, right? And this is st another state jail felony, and uh, prior to this, I got a bunch of priors, you know, I got a bunch of priors, and. Uh, I go in there, I go to trustee, and I'm in this trustee group, right? And at the same time, my mom ended up finding out that I got busted, right, and I'm in jail. And um, she's coming to visit me. She brings scriptures and stuff like that for me to read. And at the time, I'm still kind of just like, nah, I don't want I don't want that stuff, you know? And uh, and then she was telling me about the, these uh, these people who wanted to see me, which I had met prior to this. You know, I had met prior to this, maybe like a year before, I had met Vera and Ozzy, who are my spiritual parents, right? I had met Vera and Ozzy Lamont and uh, at this meeting that my parents were going to for at celebration. And uh, I really clicked with Ozzy, right? And uh, they remembered me. And they had found out I got locked up because my mom was going around asking people, you know, I need help with my son. Can somebody help me? You know, he's locked up. But when he gets out, I need someone to, you know, to encourage him and lift him up and and Bear and Ozzy, you know, took that took that role, took that position. And uh, I remember she was telling me, you know, when you get out of here, you know, they want to they want to see you. And I was like, man, I ain't getting out of here no time soon, right? I said, I'm looking at you know five years, right? And uh, so uh, I go to trustee, and I'm in trustee, and I ended up getting into it with somebody, right? And we're in the kitchen working, and he bowed up to me. He was a lot bigger than me, and called me the B word. And, you know, when you're in there, you know, you, you can't let something like that happen or you're going to have a, a a name for yourself and you're going to be a punk. People are going to mess with you and it's going to be hard. Right. So I had a tray in my hand. I hit him across the head with it as hard as I could. Or, you know what? I had guards tackle me. 
I go to 23 hour lockdown and I'm on 30 for 30. I lose my trustee status. I lose my uh, visitation. I lose my commissary and phone calls, right? For 30 days. After 30 days, they take me out of 23 hour lockdown and I go back into general population, but I lose my trustee status. As I'm in this general population, there's this group of men that are in there praying. And I remember one of the men came up to me and he asked me, he goes, hey man, you wanna join our prayer group? And I said, nah, I'm, I'm good. The next day he came up and asked me again, hey, you wanna join our prayer group? I said, nah, bro, I said, I'm cool. I don't, I don't want none of that, right? Third day, he asked me again. I said, look, I said, all right, I'll join. But after today, don't ask me no more, right? I'll see what you're talking about, but don't ask me no more. And um, at this time, you know, I had met this other guy, this other Mexican dude, and I think he was like Mexican mafia. And he had a number, right? And, and uh, he was talking about he gets shipments of cocaine from from the, the boating dock in Houston and gets them shipped over here. And so my plan was when I got out, I was going to click up with this dude and maybe dip off somewhere out of Taylor and, and, and start hustling again, right? That was my whole idea. So I had got his number, right? I was already on a mission, right? Trying to find some 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 way when I got out to make money again, hustling again, right? I was I was ready to go back down that road. I didn't care no more. And uh, anyways, so I go to that prayer group. And I remember they all laid their hands around me. They prayed for me. And I remember at the time I felt a presence, I felt uh, a peace, I felt uh, joy, and it was weird, you know, I felt joy in a situation, in, in a place that, you know, there, there's not much joy, right, and um, and I remember tearing up, and I was like, man, what is this, why do I feel like this, and he, I remember the brother told me, he goes, it's, it's the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, and that's how much Jesus loves you, he's tugging on your heart, he's calling you home, and I remember I just broke down and I was like, man, why me though? I mean, I've done so much evilness. I've done so much bad things to people, you know, uh, uh, selling dope to all of God's people, right? You know, killing these people basically. And uh, I was like, how could he love somebody like that, right? And um, anyway, so my mom's still coming and visiting me and, and, and my father and, and they're bringing me scriptures. And so now I'm writing the scriptures down and I'm trying to get into my word and I'm, I'm trying to read it, right? And um, and during this time, I'm about to come up to my uh, my court case, right? My court case was coming up. And usually when you have felony court, it gets prolonged about, you know, eight or nine months before you get sentenced. So I talked to the brother. I said, hey, uh, I said, you mind praying with me uh, about my court case? I got court tomorrow. And I had already been in there for a couple months. And uh, he goes, yeah, let's pray for it. You know, what do you want to pray about it? I said, let's pray that I get an offer tomorrow. And that was my first prayer, right? That I get an offer tomorrow that they don't reschedule, right? Because that's what they do. They reschedule it every month. I said, so let's pray that I get an offer. And I said, and 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 I want to pray that that God does a miracle, man. Um, I want to see if, if 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 God really loves me, and if God is really real, I need Him to show up. I need Him to prove it to me. And so we started praying, and we prayed for an offer, and then I prayed that God show up. And, uh, and basically perform a miracle out of a situation where you couldn't see no light at the end of the tunnel, you know? And uh, I told God, I said, Lord, I said, if you're really real and you do something tomorrow in that courtroom, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to you and I will serve you wholeheartedly, right? So I remember the next day I go to court and uh, 
I'm in court. The my uh lawyer calls my name, Mr. Gola. I walk over there and he's uh he tells me, he goes, Hey, they're gonna give you five years. You sign right now, you know, you could possibly get out too on good behavior. And uh I said, Cool. I said, All right, I'm cool with that. I said, uh, can we ask the prosecutor one thing? He goes, Yeah, what do you want to ask him? I said, I wanted to ask him for a 1244B misdemeanor conviction or misdemeanor time uh, and time served. And he kind of chuckled and laughed. He goes, do you not know all your priors? He goes, all your priors and then all, all everything you got against you right now, all the evidence they got on the CD-ROM against you. I mean, they're, that's, they're not going to budge off this. I mean, you're looking at, you're going to have to do time. And I said, I get that. I said, but just ask the prosecutor this one time. It don't hurt to ask. If they deny it, I said, I'll sign right now. He goes, okay. So I go back in the holding cell. He goes in the courtroom. He comes back out. And he tells me, he goes, man, I don't know what just happened, man. He goes, all the evidence they had on the CD-ROM in the sheriff's office, they lost it. The prosecutor's going to give you a misdemeanor time, misdemeanor wow. conviction. You're going to go home tomorrow. And I tripped out and I said, man, I said, okay, God. And I remember I just started crying. And I said, man, you're really real. So I remember I get out the next day and it was a Friday, February 22nd, 2018. And um, I remember my mom was talking about, hey, we're going to go to church uh, celebration, right? Because I told my mom I wanted to come back home. She's like, yeah, you can come back home. And um She's like, we're going to go to Celebration Church uh, Sunday. I said, okay, cool. So we go to Celebration Church, and she said, Ozzy and Vera want to take uh, take us out to dinner afterwards. I said, okay. Uh, so we go out to eat, and uh, that and at this time, you know, I don't have nothing, right? I've lost everything. I don't have nothing. I don't have a vehicle. I don't have a license. Uh, and Ozzy has his own painting business. And so I tell him, I said, uh, Hey, uh, Ozzy, you said, you mind, you know, maybe giving me a job. I need a job. and uh, I want to do the things right, you know, this time around. I want to make a, a a life for myself, right? He goes, you know what? He goes, uh, let me think about it, and uh, I'll give you a call this tonight and let you know. And I said, okay. So he calls me that night. He says, be at my house at 7. And they live here in Georgetown. And uh, at the time, my parents were living in Huddle. I was living with my parents, so my dad would get up extra early and take me all the way to Ozzy's at 7, you know, to be there by 7.30 in the morning. And uh, so I worked for, for him for a whole week and uh, painting. Uh, that that weekend comes up. I worked that Monday. Tuesday was supposed to rain, so he's, and we're painting the outside of a house. He goes, hey, we're not working tomorrow. It's supposed to rain, so just stay home, and, and we'll see how Wednesday looks. I said, okay. So I remember, uh, I remember uh, staying home, and uh, I'm bored, right? I'm alone, you know. God says, you know, men are not supposed to be doing life alone, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm alone right now. My parents are at work, and I'm bored, right? I mean, I just all of a sudden the stuff starts hitting me, right? I got a buddy, old buddy of mine, hits me up. Yo, what's up, Q? Where you at? What you doing? Blah blah blah. I heard you got out. I'm right down the street from your mom's house, man. I'm about to go to a buddy's house down the street and we're going to pick up a sack of weed. And, and, uh, and uh, another buddy of us is going to, we're going to go to the bar. We're going to meet up with some girls. We're going to go to the bar. You want to roll out? I said, yeah, man. I said, matter of fact, I said, I just got a paycheck. Let's do it. So I get dressed. He gets, he comes to my house and then we just 
go up one block, one street up to a, a friend of ours and, and uh, they're smoking weed out in the garage. And I remember uh, getting walking out and they're like, man, what's up Q? I ain't seen you in a, in a minute, man. I heard what happened, blah, blah, blah. And uh, man, you want to hit this? And I remember hitting the weed, right? As soon as I hit the weed, I remember Ozzy calling me. So I tell everybody, I said, man, hey, y'all shut up. This is my boss. Don't say nothing, right? And I was contemplating on answering. So I, I answered the phone and I said, hello. And he goes, hey, brother, I just want to tell you, man, uh, God put it on my heart to, to tell you that, you know, encourage you not to go around your old friends. And uh, I know you might get bored and I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're bored, give me a call. You know, I believe in you. I'm here for you. I love you. And uh, I want to see you succeed. And he goes, where are you at right now? And I lied to him. I said, oh, I'm at home. I'm just hanging out. He goes, okay. He goes, well, uh, I also want to tell you, you know, we'll be at work tomorrow. We're going to, we're going to work. Tomorrow. I said, okay. As soon as I got off the phone, man, I, I, I felt this conviction come over me that I never felt before. For the first time, I felt conviction, right, for doing something wrong. Before, I never had no second thoughts about it. Before, I didn't care what I was about to do to that person or or what I was about to do on the streets or whatever it may be, right? I did not care because I just had I just had this careless mentality, you know what I mean? When I was out in the streets, I was I was blind, right? I was blind to the things that was going around me. You know, the devil put blinders over my eyes to where I couldn't see. You know, I was hurting everybody around me, even my family, and never cared, never cared, right? This is the first time I had conviction in my life. And I remember feeling it so powerfully. And I was like, man, why do I feel like this? This is what I was saying to in my head, right? Because I got everybody else around me doing it. And I'm like, man, why do I feel like this? And I just felt like I needed to go home. And I remember saying, hey, man, I gotta, I need to go. And they're like, man, Q, you good? What's, what's wrong, bro? You good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I just need to go home. And I said, something happened to me when I was locked up. And uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And... Uh, and I just need to go home. And I said, okay, well, uh, you want us to give you a ride? I said, no, nah, I, I can walk. I said, it's not too far from here. I'm, I'm going to walk. And I remember as I'm walking home, I just start crying, right? And I call Ozzy back. And I say, hey, Oz, I just want to let you know that I lied to you. I wasn't at home. I was at a homeboy's house. Uh, and right before you called me, I, ha I had smoked weed, right? And uh, I don't know if you still want me to work for you or not, but I just wanted to be honest with you. And he goes, bro, man, this is a victory. And I said, what do you mean this is a victory? I just told you I lied to you. I just told you I smoked weed, right? And this is a victory. He goes, bro, you're headed home right now, right? I said, yes, sir. He goes, you could be going out to the bar with your friends tonight, spending your whole paycheck, going back down to the, going back to returning to your vomit you came out of, right? Going back down the same old road. Not coming to work tomorrow because you're out all night partying and going back down the same old, doing the same old thing, right? He goes, this is a victory. He goes, man, yeah, you hit the weed. Repent. He goes, man, God, God's working on you, you know? He goes, you felt conviction. And I had explained it to him at the time. I didn't know it was conviction, right? I didn't even know the word conviction. And when I had told him how I felt, he goes, that's conviction. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit, you know, that they're trying to, you know, the Holy Spirit's trying to steer you away from that, right? And uh, and I was like, man, dude, I said, okay. And he goes, matter of fact, he goes, what would you say about coming and staying with us, you know, for like a week or so? I said, man, I think I, I need that. I, I need to get away from here. I, I need something like that, you know, somebody to keep me accountable and, and and disciple me, you know what I mean? So he said, pack your bags and I'll come pick you up. 
So they come and pick me up, and I stay with them right for about a week. And uh, him and Vera had been praying and uh, asking God what they should do. And the Lord spoke to Ozzy and told him, take him in and treat him like if he was your own son. And disciple him, mentor him, and be there for him. Show him love. And that's exactly what he did, man. He showed me love. He was there for me. He uh, I mean, he taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to be a husband. He taught me how to love my wife. Uh, he would call out, he would call me and just just mentor me, speak life into me, him and Vera. And, and they taught me how to pray, how to get into my word, how to study, you know, the thing of forgiveness and all these different things, man. Getting up early, you know, before you start your day and and, and giving God the the uh the first hour of your day, right? And uh and really just surrendering everything to him, right? And uh so I ended up living there for about a year and um ended up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Uh all these different things are happening, right? I see miracles, I see God just working. And I ended up getting my license back. Well, not I got a, a temporary license, right? It was an occupational license. So I get my occupational license back. And uh, I remember trying to apply for jobs, right? Nobody wanted to hire me because of my background. Right? I got theft charges. I got assaults. I got robbery, burglaries, you know, all these different resisting evading arrest, all these different charges. Right? And uh, anyways, uh, nobody wanted to hire me. And uh, I remember I, I go work. I, I went to go apply for Honey Bucket, which is the porta potty company, right? Which is like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you got to you gotta do the low man totem pole, you know, a nasty job, right? Nasty. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll hire you. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, cool. Well, it's a job, right? You know? So at this time, I'm going through the process. I go on this three-day uh, training and, and test, and I pass it, right? I get my DOT license to, to drive that big truck. Um, and then they said, okay, also, the last thing we need is your driver's license and, uh, and a picture ID and your Social Security. I said, oh, Okay. I said, well, right now my license is suspended. Is that okay? They said, oh, yeah, that's, that should be fine as long as you can drive. And I said, oh, yeah, I can drive. I can drive. But on my occupational license, it says you can only drive a total of four hours a day, right? So I, I went on my document papers, right, and, and, and I forged the hours, right? I changed the hours, changed it to where I could drive at least 10 hours a day because that's how long I'd be working if I got hired there. Right? And so basically lying, not thinking I'd catch another felony charge. And uh, so I'm thinking like, oh, if I get caught, they'll just probably just spend my le my license longer, right? But I'm taking the matters into my own hand, right? Because uh, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, oh, I, this this is the, this is the only job that's gonna hire me. I'm desperate. I want a job. I need to work. So take matters into my own hands, and 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 that's what I did. Come to find out the next day, they're like, oh, we can't hire you. Your uh, occupational license came back fraudulent. Uh, so we can't hire you. I was like, oh, okay. So I go back working for Ozzy. Three months later, I get a phone call from the detective, right? He goes, hey, Mr. Gola, we need you to come in and uh, and make a statement on 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 a charge you're being a charge that's being pinned right now. I said, for what? I said, what what happened? And they're like, well, you got a, a forging of a government government document, forging of a government document, which is a state jail felony. And I said, are you serious? And I was like tripping. I was like, man, I said, just for signing, you know, some hours on the paper is a felony. 
So, you know, Ozzy had prayed for me. And and at this time, too, during this year, you know, uh, I had met Pastor Paul, right? And uh, I went to one of his conferences, and that's when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he he takes it upon himself to mentor me, right? And he has these one-hour Bible studies at my mom and dad's house with me. Uh, at, I think it was like every Monday or Tuesday, right? And uh, I ended up, you know, gaining a relationship with, with Pastor Paul, uh, Evangelist Paul now. Um, but uh, ended up gaining a, a, a strong bond with him. And so during this time, you know, Ozzy and them were like, you know, well, you got to go turn yourself in. You got to do the right thing. Turn yourself in and be honest about everything. Right? And I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. And Pastor Paul and, and, and Ozzy and all them, you know, they're praying for me. And my mom and them are praying for me. And, and so during this time, I remember going, turning myself in, telling the detective everything, why I signed it, why I forged the hours, what time I did it, where I was at when I did it, and basically just let them know I was desperate for a job. This detective was the same detective that had been chasing me out in the streets as well. Oh wow! And yeah, so it was kind of crazy, right? And uh, and I and I I got to uh, basically testify in front of them and and let them know that hey, I'm a changed man. Uh, God has changed me. I'm not the same man that you know you were out there running trying to catch all you know for the last ten years. I said I'm a different man, and uh, and I just want you to know that. And uh, I just did it because I was desperate for a job because I can't get hired no more. And he goes, I, okay. He goes, yeah, uh, I can see, man. You're definitely a different character than what I remember. He goes, well, you know, I'm going to do the best of my ability to try to help you out. And um, and we'll go from there. And I said, okay. So the next day he calls me, says, hey, so Williams County's going to go ahead and, and press charges. I need you to turn yourself in. So at this point, I'm just kind of down and out, right? And I'm like, man, maybe this God stuff ain't for me, right? Maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm not meant to, to do this. You know, I'm not built for this, right? I'm not built to work a nine to five. I'm not, I'm not built to serve God. I'm not built, you know, I'm, I'm trying and I'm doing the best I can, and I can't get a job nowhere. I can't, nothing's going my way, right? And uh, I said, where you at, God? You know, I started getting, you know, kind of uh, disappointed. And even though this was all because of my choices, right? This was this was my choices that I had made, and I put myself in the situation. God didn't put me in this situation; I did, right? But at the time, you know, like I said, I was I was new in Christ, so I couldn't see that, right? I'm thinking like, you know, hey, where you at, God? Why are you doing this to me? And it wasn't him; it was me. So this time, I go and turn myself in. And at this time, I'm like, man, I just want to stay in here. I don't want to be bonded to my mom. I said, don't bond me out. I don't want to be bonded out. Just leave me in here. I said, you know, if it comes down to it and I got to go do time, just let me go do my time. And um, so she was like, okay, I won't bond you out. So I go and turn myself in. Pastor Paul walks, goes with me to turn myself in. And uh, I remember the next day, the guard comes. And I'm I'm down, I'm down in the holding cell, one man cell. Like, like, it's like bars, right? Like actual, you know, like the jail cell, jails you see in the movies with the bars and the doors they open and you're like in a six foot by six foot cell because I had too many points now. So I didn't get to go to general population. And uh, and I remember I was down there and I was laying in my bunk and I was getting into a mindset of like back into my old ways, like the street way, right? And I was like, man, you know, I need to start working out. You know, I'm gonna go to the, go to the pen. I need to get ready for it, right? And um, so I'm laying in there and all of a sudden a guard comes and he goes, hey, Mr. Gola, ATW. And I was like, what? 
I said, what do you mean ATW? I said, who, who, who's bonded me out? He goes, I don't know, but somebody bonded you out. I said, what? And I was, I was kind of upset. Right. Uh, so I get out. My mom was waiting outside for me. She picks me up and she goes, it wasn't, it wasn't my idea to bond you out. She goes, uh, Vera and Ozzy and everybody had got together and they had called me and they said that we needed to bond you out because it wasn't going to be good for you if you stayed in there uh, because you're going to go back to your old ways, you know? And so they like already, they already knew, right? So it's like, they got me out. So my mom takes me straight over to Vera and Ozzy's house, right? Everybody's over there. And they start talking to me, right? And I'm just kind of like in this poor piss attitude. Like, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to what y'all got to say. Uh, but they ended up praying for me, right? Showing me love, still there for me, supporting me, believing in me. And so uh, me and my mom would go home and I'm still working for Ozzy at this time. And I remember my lawyer hitting, calling me and she was, you know, saying, oh, you got a court date coming up. And it's the same judge that I had, right, for the, the burglary of a building, right? And so she's like, man, you're back in here again, you know? And and she's looking at my priors again. And she's like, this time you're not getting off the hook, right? We let you off the hook last time. It's not happening this time, right? She was dead set on sending me, you know, to prison, right? So um, she was all like, uh, we're going to reschedule this court date uh, from a month from now. So they rescheduled it. So my lawyer says, you know, if you can get reference letters, you know, maybe that'll help your situation. So I get reference letters from my mom, Vera, Ozzy, Pastor Paul, Pastor Ken, Pastor Mark from Celebration. I mean, all these letters, right? And um, she sends it in uh, and uh, the to the prosecutor, right? Because the prosecutor, so no, so no, so I go to court, right? And the prosecutor uh, denies probation. That's what it was denies probation. So I go back to court, they deny probation and it's a five-year state jail felony here. Right? So he denies probation. So then that's when my lawyer said, maybe if you get reference letters, it'll help your situation. Because I, I I denied the first stuff. So they, they reschedule it. I get these reference letters. We send it in to the prosecutor and the prosecutor says, man, this ain't the same man that I'm reading here to over here. This is a totally different man. And look at all these people just, you know, saying all these good things about him and everything, right? So he's all like, man, maybe this is a changed man, you know? So he goes, this is what I'm going to do. He goes, I'm going to offer you one year probation. I was like, wow, man. I was like, okay, I'll take one year probation, right? That's better than, you know, going and doing time and, or two to five years probation, right? So one year probation, I was all for it. So I accepted it, right? And even my lawyer told me when all this was going on, we go back to court. The next, you know, the next month, and uh, we go in front of the judge, and the judge denies it. She goes, "Nope, no probation. You're not doing probation. That's final. We will reschedule this to next month." So I'm like, "All right, I'm going to prison. It don't even matter, right?" And my lawyer at the time said, "You know, I've never seen this happen before." She goes, "I've never seen the judge deny what the prosecutor had offered. Usually, the judge, you know, accepts it, right?" And uh, so I was like, man, so yeah, she's definitely out there. And like, there's no hope. Not knowing she's a Christian lady. Right? Uh, so I remember during this month as I'm waiting to go back to court, I'm kind of getting back in that own mindset. And uh, I'm making money with Ozzy. And I'm working and I'm painting with Ozzy. And I remember I was in a save, I was saving up my money, right? 
and I was going to dip out, go on the run. I was going to go back to the plug, pick up some dope, start selling again. Right? Not knowing that my future could have been changed, right? I could have either been dead in prison for a long time, right? If I got caught and caught with dope, right? After being on a run of felony charge, right? My future would have been over with. I mean, all these different things, right? I never, I never thought of that stuff, right? And just not even caring, right? Like, I don't care. This God stuff ain't for me. I tried it and it didn't work, right? And uh, I remember it was a Friday, I'm painting and I was gonna get my paycheck from Ozzy and then I was just gonna dip out. Nobody knew what I was gonna do. Nobody had no idea what I was planning. And uh, Ozzy calls me. Uh, he goes, hey, uh, don't leave. Uh, I'm coming right back. Cause he had already given me my check. And he says, don't leave though, I need to talk to you. And, but it sounded like kind of urgent, right? Like, so I'm like kind of curious, like, okay, what does he got, what does he got to say? Why does he sound so concerned, right? So I said, okay, I won't, I won't leave, I'll wait on you. So he shows up maybe 30 minutes before we finish work. And um, anyways, uh, he, he tells me to get in the truck. I get in the truck and he goes, uh, man, the, the Holy Spirit woke me up about three o'clock this morning and told me I needed to start interceding for you. You're about to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life. And God wanted me to tell you that he's not going to be with you in this decision that you're about to make. So whatever you got planned, all those times that you were out in the streets, those times you got jumped, those times people try to set you up, them times you're in a shootout, them times you went and jacked people, all this different stuff, God had his hand of protection over you because he had a plan and purpose for you. Now you're about to make a decision. That's going to lead to destruction and God's taking his hand off of you. So whatever happens to you in these streets, if you die, you die, right? God doesn't have his hand over you. No more. He's going to let you make the decisions you want to do now, right? And I started thinking, I'm like, man, dude, how did he know? What? How did he? I'm sorry. I'm like tripping out because I've never seen nothing like that. I was like, how did he know what I was about to do? And he starts tearing up and he goes, Quint, I love you and I believe in you. And I, I, whatever you're planning on doing, don't do it. Don't do it. He goes, I beg of you, don't do it. And I remember I just broke down. I started crying. And I said, man, I said, I was planning on dipping out tonight. And I was planning on going and buying dope and going back to my old ways. Because I'm just feeling hopeless, man. And, and, and this judge just has it in for me. And, uh, and I just don't feel like there's any hope. Like, I'm going back to prison, so... I mean, it's pointless, right? Why, if I'm going back to prison, why? I might as well just go on the run. And he goes, and I remember him telling me, he goes, it doesn't matter how dark it seems. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the judge says. It doesn't matter what the situation or the outcome is or what the paper says, right? God has the last say-so. God has the last word. He goes, where's your trust at, right? Where's your faith? He goes, this could be a faith builder, a trust builder. We don't know what's going to happen. Who cares what the judge says? We got to take it to prayer. We got to take it to God because God has a purpose for your life. And I believe God's going to do something. So whatever you plan on doing, don't do it. Believe in God. Let's just let's just wake this out. Let's just see what happens. I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around. So I remember I go to court. And we're in court. And my... Lawyer says, have you even read the reference letters? And she said, no, I haven't read the reference letters. And uh, uh, maybe I'll read a few of them right now. And so she ended up reading a few of them, ended up reading all of them. Right? 
And all of a sudden, she uh, she's kind of tearing up. And she says, Mr. Gola, she goes, I'm a Christian woman. I believe in God. And she goes, I know Pastor Ken and I know Pastor Mark from Celebration. Tell me your testimony. So I remember I'm telling her my testimony. She's in tears. The officer's in tears. And uh, and I told her, I said, the reason why I did this is because I'm desperate for a job, right? I want to make something of myself. And I, and, and, and I couldn't just get, I couldn't get hired. She goes, Mr. Gola, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to dismiss all charges. I'm going to dismiss the court fees, the court costs. I'm going to dismiss the probation. And I'm going to reinstate your driver's license today. Wow. And I was just blown away, man. And I was just crying, man. And I remember just, just thanking God, you know, because I was about to make a decision that was going to affect the rest of my life, not knowing that God had the last, the last say so, right? He already had it written out what he was going to do for me, right? Not, and I didn't even know it, right? Because I was just so blinded and just so stuck on my on myself and 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 what everybody else was saying, like what the judge was saying and and the lawyer and the prosecutor. And but God already had it paved out for me. He made a way when I felt like there was no way. Right? He opened doors that only He could open that no man could open. And so I remember that was the last time I've been in trouble. And uh, since then, I've been living for God. I've been in Pastor Paul's outpour ministry class. Uh, I finished two of his courses, and uh, I'm in his minister class right now. The Lord has blessed me with my wife, uh, our child, my uh, own landscape construction business, our house in Georgetown. Um, I mean, he has made a way for me that I can't even uh, comprehend. And I remember going, you know, during this time, as I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, transition into you know, being out on my own, I'm working at Real Green, right? I'm working at Real Green at the time doing aeration, borrowing my dad's truck, you know, to go to and from work. He let me use his truck. Thank you, dad. And, uh, but he would let me use his truck because he had company truck. And uh, I remember using his truck going to Real Green and, and, and pushing this big heavy machine that pokes the holes in the ground for the grass, right? Making like 575 bucks a week working like 60, 50 hours, man. I mean, just long hours. Because the more yards you did, the more money you made. Right? Shirt be covered in sweat like if I fell in a pool every day. I'd be dead tired, exhausted. And I remember just thinking like, man, I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. There's got to be something more, right? And uh, going in prayer about it, praying about it. And at the time I was, you know, dating my wife. And, and, uh, and I had pulled up to a house that was like a one acre lot. And I was like, man, I'm not looking forward to this. I do not want to do this anymore. And she goes, you know, we'll, we'll look for something, you know, when you get home, you know, uh, but we just got to trust God, right? And so I remember getting off the phone with her. I started doing this yard. And at the time, my boss had pulled up and he goes, he stopped me dead center of work. And he goes, man, is this a sod cutter? And I said, no, sir, this is a, a aerator. He goes, man, you just hustle like this, run up and down the yard all day. I said, I got to, I got it. I'm, I'm on a time schedule, basically, if I want to get, if I want to make some money. He goes, man, you got any uh, experience in landscaping? I said, no, sir. He said, you got any experience running crews? I said, no, sir. He says, you got any experience being a project manager? I said, no, sir. He goes, man, what did, what did, I said, honestly, this is like my first job I've kind of held down in a long time. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I'm going to go off a limb here. I'm going to give you my business card. And uh, if you want to come work for me, I'll train you for three months. 
I'll buy you a company truck like the one I'm driving, which was like a Ford F-150 King Ranch. And uh, I said, okay. I said, man, thank you for the opportunity, right? I was all excited, man. I get home and uh, I call him and he's uh, he's uh, like, okay, well, when can you start? And so, you know, I started, I put in one week notice and started a week later, right? And, but it was crazy. Like during this time, it's like God heard my cry. Right? He heard, he heard my cry and, and, and opened the door for me. Right. And, uh, anyways, the dude trains me, he buys me a truck. I'm able to get my dad, his truck back. Right. And I got my own truck now and he trains me. I ended up working there for a little over a year, learning everything about landscaping, running crews, got all these phone numbers for ordering like big loads of material, grass, gravel, trees, all this different stuff, right. Plants. And just started learning the, the, the business. Long story short, I ended up buying my own truck and going to the commercial side of things, which I worked at Cleanscapes and worked there for almost a year and learned the commercial side. So now I'm doing like big time $100,000, $200,000 projects, uh, the domain, the capital, you know, all these different commercial buildings and, and uh, learned everything on the commercial side of things, right? So I remember at this time, I'm like, man, uh, I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting along with my boss. My boss was a real jerk. And uh, it was a very stressful job and uh, running four crews and then having to plan everything, you know, three days in advance, ordering material, making sure all your guys were working and all this different stuff. It was very stressful. My boss was always down my back. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go to a different job, right? So I go to land care, which is another commercial landscaping job working for Landcare for a couple months and their stuff was like more computer-based, right? Like more on and the desk I had in my office and I'm not computer savvy at all. And they had me trying to learn all these different programs and I just wasn't catching it, man. So they ended up like firing. And so during this time, it was in February of last year, right? They fired me when that freeze happened and all them trees were down. Oh yeah. And, um, and prior to this, you know, I mean, like a couple of years back, you know, with the beer and Aussie, you know, we'd always go to these different, you know, conferences and and, and prophets and people speaking. And we go to church functions like weekly. Like, I mean, it wasn't just church on Sundays and that was it. I mean, we were going to church on Tuesdays, Wednesdays. We were going to prayer meetings. We had our own prayer meeting on Thursdays, right? I mean, we were doing this stuff all the time. And I mean, when I first had moved in there, I was like, man, y'all do a lot of, a lot of church, man. Y'all do a lot of God stuff, man. It's like, I was expecting just Sundays, right? No, they're. We're doing it like four days a week. So during this time, I remember a guy had spoken a word over me. I think it was a female. She had spoken a word over me saying that uh, uh, one day God's going to bless me with my own business, right? And that she seen me having my own business and my own company and me running it and it was very successful and all this stuff, right? And I'm like, oh, man, that's cool, man, you know? And uh, not thinking I was going to have my own business. Right? So come, you know, February last year, the tree storm happens. All these trees are down. I'm out of a job, right? And I'm married, you know, and we got all these bills and I'm like kind of stressing out. And I remember telling Ozzy, I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. And Ozzy said, man, dude, why don't you start your own business? He goes, man, you got you got a trailer, right? I said, yeah, my dad has a trailer. He goes, there you go, and you got a truck. He goes, man, look at all these trees that are down everywhere, man. Make business cards, go knock on doors. Matter of fact, let's go right now. So I mean, he basically like pushed me to do it, right? And then he brought up, he goes, remember that lady prophesied over you and said that you're going to start your own business one day? Maybe this is what God is trying to tell you. You got to take that leap of faith and you just got to, you got to go, right? You got to take that step and just go for it. And so I did it, right? 
And I mean, man, it just blew up after that, man. And now I got three guys working under me. And um, I mean, we do concrete, we do artificial turf, stone. I mean, everything you think of. God's just blessed me. I mean, He's just opened up door after door after door and led me to where I'm at right now. Right when I was thinking, like, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm never gonna have a good job. I'm never gonna be successful. Well, he opened up the door and made a way, right? And uh, and I mean, all glory to God, all glory to God. He's 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 opened up doors for people to come into my life and mentor me. He's opened up doors for for uh, work opportunities and business opportunities. Um, I mean, he's done all. I mean, everything. It's all all because of God, all because man. of God that I'm here today. You know what I mean? Amen, yeah, man. Quinn, that's amazing. So. You know, I, for those listening or watching or wherever you're at, I've known Quint, you know, a long, long time. We grew up together. Um, man, you're talking about just, you know, going a block away from where you lived at. Like, you know, I man, I hung out at the same house. I, you know, I I remember one time drinking all the beer out of your parents' refrigerator. You know what I mean? And <laughs> we, were, we were in high school. And it's just amazing, man, that here we are now. We're on this podcast. We're talking about God. We're talking about the things that God's done in our life, man, it's just absolutely amazing. And the fact that you're willing to come on and share with us, brother, I love you, man. Thank you so much. And I know that, I know these guys got some questions too, to, to spur along the conversation and get some more for the, for our listeners. Yeah. I knew, I knew you knew the house that I was talking about, you know, I just didn't say <laughs> no names or, but uh, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, me, me and Drew, man, we used to run around and, and, chew tobacco and, and 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 drink man and, i mean we would drink man I mean, yeah i remember that time we drank all the beer out of my mom and dad's fridge i was scared and, of your dad too yeah he was <laughs> he was a big man dude so yeah man i was i was scared too i was like man they're gonna be so bad we drank all this beer uh, quentin something you said in the beginning uh stood out to me a lot which you were talking about uh you know your your mom and dad got saved and then your mom um looking at you and, and seeing, you know, from, from her eyes, you know, her, I'm sure her little boy and like wh where you have, where you have gone and how far you've strayed. And that despite all the things you shared, um, she was still praying for you. And, you know, I, I all of us are fathers. Um, I, I understand that, like that, that parental love of just not giving up. And in particular, her faith of just praying still. And I don't know, that really struck me. Um, I have I have my own close friends of mine, like lifelong childhood friends that I, I've just kind of I'm like, man, I don't know if there's anything I can do for them. You know, I almost feel disconnected. And it's a very inspiring part of your story to hear that she was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm still praying for him. Like, there, you know, God's going to figure this out. I'm going to keep pushing on this. And then, you know, time and time again, you know, challenge after challenge. I'm sure she's been praying this whole time. And like, wow, what an incredible testimony, man. That's that's. It's amazing to hear. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty cool. Uh, during my darkest times, you know, my parents didn't know what to do at the time. You know, they're asking people for help or what they should do. And this was before they were saved. And she's probably watching right now, so I hope she doesn't get mad. But she she uh <laughs> she used to smoke a lot of weed, right? That was her thing. You know, that's how she coped with things. That's what she you know made her calm and and, and kind of just got her out of the those thoughts that the devil was bringing to her head, right? And that's what she was battling. That's what she was battling with, you know. And uh, thank God she's, you know, she's giving all that up. She's she's uh, living for God now, and 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 um, 
But it, during that time, you know, like I said, they didn't know like where to turn and they ended up finding Celebration Church and uh, giving their life over to the Lord and really serving him. And so they had to surrender everything, right? And I remember my mom telling me one time that she was crying one time. She was in the kitchen uh, crying, pleading out to the Lord, you know, like, when are you going to bring my home, my son home safe? When are you, when are you going to deliver him? What, what, you know, I don't want to get a phone call that he's dead or in prison and all this other stuff. Yeah. And she was like really just broken and, and just hit her knees and just crying in, in that morning. And uh, she, I remember her saying that she heard God audibly for the first time saying, uh, I got your son, but I want you, right? Because she was still battling with her marijuana addiction. And so that struck her pretty hard. And she realized like, man, okay, God's got my son. It's going to be on his time, not mine. But right now I need to surrender everything to him and really focus on God, right? Yeah. So that's what she did, man. And, and you know, and, and you know, well, two two years later, I, I ended up coming home. So yeah, that's incredible. I I, I also think that um something that that you mentioned too is just reaching out to prayer in those moments of desperation is it is uh I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say. It's it's just it's a very impactful for me when you realize when like there is finally you reach uh, the words I'm trying to get to is when you finally get to the point where there's nothing left, there's no other option. Like you literally, there is no other option and you give that to God and then see him act. Uh, you know, it, it sadly, a lot of us have to be pushed all the way to that line before we turn to God. Cause we're so dependent on ourselves, uh, especially as men, you know, we're not willing to surrender and, and do that. Um, I had another note. I'm trying to remember something else that she said that I wanted to talk about, but Brendan, jump in if you got anything. Yeah, Quinn, I wanted to just ask you, uh, you know, there's a lot of repentance in your story, it sounds like, and that's something that a lot of guys struggle with. And uh, so can you just, just talk to the people that are listening about how you go about repenting? Right. Because that's such a big part of our faith and, you know, turning away from the things that we need to turn away from the things of the world, turning towards God and and repenting of those things. How do you how do you do that? Yeah, I remember during the time I was living with Baron Ozzy and as the mentor in me. Right. Uh, and I'm going through that repentance process, right, repenting of my sins and the things that I, all the sins that I had committed and, you know, the first process was, you know, what was I willing to give up? How bad did I really want God? How bad did I want God to move in my life? Right. So it's like I had to give up secular music. Right. Gave up secular music because all music does is just promote the devil's work, whether it be country music or rap music or rock music. All it does is promote the devil, you know, partying, drinking, sex before marriage, drugs, killing, all this different stuff. Right. Uh, nothing that satisfies your your soul or your spirit. Yeah. And uh, and what is devil? He was the the he played the most beautiful music, right? He was God's like right hand man playing the best music, right? Nobody could see the devil and 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 his talent with the music, right? And who is the prince of this world? The devil. And what is how does he get to the youth in this generation through music, right? There's so much stuff behind music, man. Whether it be uh, demonic uh, spells, spirits, any kind of any secular stuff like that. It means you don't want to get it out of your house because the ears and the, and the eyes are the gateway to your heart and, and the abundance of the heart and mouth speaks. What are you putting in your soul? Are you putting in good seed or bad seed? Right. And we want to put in good seed. 
So I mean, it turned. It, I had to turn away from certain all the secular music, uh, old friends. I had to cut them off. I had to get away from my old friends because they didn't do nothing but steer me into the wrong direction. Right? They didn't pray for me. They didn't lift me up in in, in prayer or or over positive and 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 had a godly life themselves. Right. So how could they speak life into me if they weren't serving God themselves? Right. And I had to give up all my addictions. Right. I used to love smoking weed. I used to love smoking cigarettes, drinking. You know all that different stuff, and and uh, none of that stuff is 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 good for you, right? We're, our body's a temple, a temple of the of, of of Christ, right? And God says to take care of our bodies and not to put impurities in our bodies, whether it be tobacco dipping and smoking and drinking and all that stuff. All that does is promote cancer, right? Where does cancer come from? The devil, right? That stuff is not good for us. It's an addiction, right? So if we want to see God move in our life, we got to surrender everything to Him. Not saying he won't move in our life. He will still move. But if you really want to see the, the full power of God, you got to surrender everything. Secular TV, man, that just that talks badly and or has cussing in it, movies that have cussing in it, you know, all this different stuff. What are you what are you opening up in your household and letting your children listen to and 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 and, and your marriage and all this different stuff, man? It opens up doors for the devil to come in, right? Yeah, uh, so we got to be careful and guard our hearts, guard our families. And really just give all that to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I'm broken. I'm a sinner and I need you. I need I need less of me and more of you, right? I want to die to my flesh and pick up my cross and walk and do life with Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way but through Jesus, amen? And so that's what we got to strive for. And, uh, and so that's what it took for me was really putting everything to the side, giving it all to him, saying, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner and I need you. I plead the blood of Jesus over me. And I was just like, you know, just in total repentance, man. And I remember we had a, uh, we were praying and I was at Beer and Ozzy's, man. And I was going through a struggle, man. I remember I was going to, I didn't tell this part of the story, but we had a worship night and they had some friends come over from Dallas who's a worship singer and a, pre, a pastor. And, and we had worship night at their house. And I remember I was scrolling through social media and Facebook, right? And uh, I had seen a picture of a, a, a girl I used to mess with, and it just brought back all these memories. And, and you know, I had soul ties with her, right? And uh, and so that had never been broken. And it just, man, it did something to me, dude. And I remember I was just in a mood. I didn't want to be there. I wasn't worshiping. And they noticed it, right? And I was standing there just off by myself, not worshiping. And I was planning on leaving that night and calling that girl, right? And she's from Taylor. And uh, I was planning on leaving that night and just writing a note to Berenazi saying, thank you. I appreciate everything y'all have done for me, but uh, this is just not for me. Right. And I was going to dip out like at two or three in the morning. <laughs> so anyways, after the worship's all over with, we're sitting there and the guy and the, and, the, and the woman that came from Dallas, his wife started speaking to me and she said, I noticed you sitting in the back. And the Lord spoke to me saying that he has you in the, and he, he's cradling you like a baby. Right. And he's ready to he's ready to give you wings to fly like an eagle, right? So that you could soar. But he said that she said that your eyes on you're looking at stuff that you shouldn't be looking at, and uh, and it's doing something to you, and it's opening up doors, and you're opening up these doors, and 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 the things are trying to pull you back to you to your old ways, and God wants to break that off of you tonight. And he she said, do you want to be set free? And I remember just saying, yeah, I want to be set free. And I ended up telling them my plans for that night, like what I was going to do, how I was feeling, what I was looking at on social media, right? And um, 
they're like, yeah, you need to delete, you know, old friends off your social media, delete them and get rid of it and get rid of some of that social media. You don't need all of it. You know, just get rid of it and just really focus on God, get in your word. So they all surround me that night, right? And I, they start praying over me, man, and, and, and laying hands on me. And I just remember feeling the Holy Spirit and the presence so heavy, right? There was a heavy presence and an anointing so strong. And the pastor was praying over me. They poured oil on me and, and was just praying over me so passionately and saying that uh, God's speaking to me and he's He's anointing you. He's giving you, a, 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 I forgot what he said, a, 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 an apostle, a Paul anointed. And, uh, and, and, and you have a special anointing and, and, and I mean, he was just going on and on, man. And I remember speaking in tongues and, and just this heavy weight just lifted off of me. Right. And just everything was being broken. And they were like, we break soul ties. We break strongholds. We break addictions. You know, we break chains and shackles off of you. And it was just so powerful, man, and beautiful. And, and, I, and I remember that's when I first got like delivered and set free. And then from that day forward, I never looked back. Never looked at, uh, never had old feelings for for uh, drugs, addictions, um, women, none of that stuff. It all just went away, man. And that's uh, incredible. And, and yeah, so that's when I, I really went into like, you know, I guess a repentance for me. So you said you said something um, before that I think leads down a segue uh, for Redeem Legion in general. You know, the people that are listening, we got a handful of people online watching, and like we started this. It's a men's ministry. Um, to to give basically men a voice and, and to talk specifically about the fact that like this world is broken men are biblically called to lead and we can't lead without jesus and that biblically called to lead part like that matters um well three of us or all four of us excuse me are fathers and you know us having proper spiritual leadership in our home can have a massive impact on our children you know it's just like you're talking about the whatever things we're allowing into our home, like we're responsible for that. And it does have an effect on our kids. Also, you know, your mom and dad, uh, even, even as you know, later in life, like their faith impacted your faith. Like their faith is a strong port, a part of why you're here now and you're not wherever you would have been before, you know? So to, to the guys that are listening, like, man, you know, this is what we're here for is we're trying to help guys, uh, you know, come to Jesus and then, lead their family in Jesus. I got, we got a guy, I don't know if he's still on uh, that was in the chat, a friend of mine named Tony, which is a thing that he and I have talked about a number of times is that the, when the, the father at home is a Christian and is leading and, and like actively practicing, you know, reading his Bible and taking his family to church and leading the kids have, I don't know the number, but it was like, you know, 90% chance of becoming Christian from that when, because the, like, we're the leaders, that's our job. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that might be a good uh, segue for us to wrap up. McQuint, we've taken an hour and a half of your time tonight, man, and I insanely appreciate it. Uh, we had almost 300 people on at one point uh, on, on and off of the live just on this one thing watching, which is incredible. So like your story is out there already impacting people. Uh, man, thank you so much for sharing. I don't know, Brendan or Drew, do you guys have any other questions or anything you want to add? No, man. Thank you again, Quint, so much, brother. It's a it's a pleasure and a blessing to know you and to uh, yeah, have man, lived dude. some life with you. And, uh, you know, man, like no matter what, uh, it's never too late to reach somebody, you know. And uh, we got uh, mutual friends that uh, we don't keep in touch with anymore, but it ain't too late for them either, you know. Amen. So if, if any of them listen to this, man. We love you and, and we're here for you and uh and there's a way out 
So the the stronghold of sin and the devil, man, that ain't got nothing on Christ. So we're here to reach men for Christ. And and uh, we're looking for guys like Quint and anybody else to join us in that mission. Yeah, Quint, thank you so much, man. It's been super powerful. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good that comes from this. There's guys that need to hear your story, so keep telling it. We appreciate you coming on here. Uh, we'll do it again in the future. And, uh, guys, this has been the Redeemed Legion Podcast, Episode 10. We will see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Redeemed Legion Podcast. It's all about faith, masculinity, and modern-day life. Our passion is to encourage and equip men to live out their faith in a world that often presents conflicting ideals of manhood. Welcome to the Brotherhood. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. If you did enjoy it, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can email Drew at redeemedlegion.com. Pete at redeemedlegion.com and Brendan at redeemedlegion.com. The website at redeemedlegion.com. And find us on TikTok and YouTube at, you guessed it, Redeemed Legion. Take care, be safe, and see you next time.